Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And welcome to the 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 smooth the smooth jazz hour where Alex and I play you smooth jazz for an hour. Alex, take it away. Do you know how many times I've been told I have a DJ's voice? Dude, me too. I've been getting recently, I've been getting um, radio voice. I get that a lot. And then I also get ASMR voice. Like specifically, I have a coworker that's like, you have a calming voice, do ASMR. And I'm like, if you've listened to the podcast, my voice, I would say leans towards not calming most of the time. Yeah, I think the thing is, as far as radio voice for you, you have that like talk radio voice where there's yes. like a lot of energy and people are just, they your energy is like infectious where you're like, all right, we have a new segment. Now we have a caller on the line. And it's just like that Ryan, Seacre- Ryan Seacrest tone to it. Yeah. And I have that apparently late night DJ when it's like nine o'clock at night and you're trying to stay yeah. awake. So you switch the channels, but you picked a guy with my voice and you're trying not to fall asleep. We cut to your radio studio and it's just filled with incense. You're wearing these like classic Ray shades. You know what's crazy? I also heard this from like parents who've known me my yeah. entire life. Mm-hmm. Keegan's dad yeah. said I have that voice. And I'm like, you've known me, bro. <laughs> what is what is this? <laughs> but I, I can go into it. Let me let me let's. I mean, this is practically its own segment. Well, we're going to move this to the one hit wonder. I'm I'm nixing our one hit wonder. We're doing radio oh, voices at okay. the end. <laughs> our one hit right, wonder. We're going to we're going to get it. We're going to spoil it now. Is called Radio Voices. All right. Well, now you know what you're in for if you listen all the way to the end. So let's move on to our movie segment. This week, we are talking about a movie called Redline. And this movie, for all intents and purposes, kind of came out of nowhere in terms of me bringing it to the table. But the fact of the matter is, is I've had something like this in the dugout for Mm. a while now. And so here's the deal. A long, long time ago, towards the beginning of the podcast, uh, I brought a movie to the table called A Silent Voice. Yep. Alex hated that movie so much that he instilled upon us a one anime movie per year rule. So I took some time. I talked to my anime friends and I'm like, all right, these are the kinds of movies that Alex likes. What are some anime movies that I could bring to the podcast to increase the chances of him just not completely writing off the medium of anime altogether. And the one that they recommended and the one that kind of made the most sense was this movie, Redline. So we are going to talk about that movie in full depths. If you don't want to hear us talk about it, you can go to this time code right here. Time code, 19 minutes, 25 seconds. And so I'm going to give the setup for this because I had not watched this movie. I kind of took their word on it in terms of this would probably be the best bet. And here's the basic premise. It's very like Speed Racer Mad Max in terms of uh, plot and ideas where there's this race, this intergalactic race. There's lots of aliens involved in this movie. 
And they're usually like no holds barred. Like you can shoot at your opponents. You can try to blow them up. You can fix up your engine as intense as you want. Just like the goal is to race and everything else is a byproduct of that. So we follow this one character named JD and is it JD or JP? JP. 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 Sorry. Who uh, the movie starts and they're at the qualifying race for the titular red line race. And uh, him and his mechanic are fixing races. And so their goal is have him be in last place for as long as possible. Then at the very end, shoot to first place, but take second. And Which, uh, by the uh, way, I don't get how that works. So I be- think it's to increase betting in the last instances of the race. Okay. So, But it doesn't work if he wins, so they correct. would keep the money. Yeah, so they're not paying out. Okay. Um, what an interesting racket, bro. Yes. And they're doing this under the guise of the mafia. They are in debt to the mafia, which is why they're doing it like this. Uh, so he comes in second place. He does not qualify for the red line until two other racers drop out. And so JP does get to go to the red line. And so half of this movie is us meeting the other racers learning about the planet that the red line is taking place on. We learn a lot about their general political history mm-hmm. and um, kind of the thing that I feel like isn't explained very well, but is a cool point of this movie is uh, they didn't ask permission for the red line to happen on this planet that they're going to. It's called like robo world or something like that. Hey, guess what? There's yeah. a bunch of robots. Yeah. It's, and, ro- it's literally called robo world. And so part of the stakes, part of the tension for this movie is these guys are going to drop out of space, do an illegal death race, and then leave. All while the inhabitants of this planet are going to try to stop that from happening with lethal force. And then the second half of the movie is all of that commencing. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a pretty good summary. Um, this movie is like a typical anime, though, where everything is exaggerated. And yes. all the, some would call it features of anime, I call them tropes, are prevalent. So, like, yeah. you get every sound effect possible when normal human beings might not make that sound effect. And you get super cliche dialogue this might be one of the worst cliche dialogue things i've ever heard which might be an issue because it was i listened to the dub version or watched the dub version yes as did i um the the dialogue is out of control how cliche it is it's out of control okay um which was distracting for me and but i will say the art style was cool yeah so it was i don't know if it was cool or not i don't watch enough anime but it was it was interesting this According to the trivia on IMDb, this movie was almost entirely hand-drawn. It took seven years for them to make this movie. Uh, Now, that being said, I didn't love the style. Um, This movie is very gritty in terms of its art style. Like, there's uh, the mafia dealer that the mechanic deals with. He does coke. So... He, you see him rub Coke on his gum line, but he does it in the most disgusting way it possible. So he disturbing. has like four fingers in his mouth at the same time, all while trying to have a conversation with him. And I'm like, this 
is not... I don't like this visual. However, I respect how well it's done. And it was I really like so exaggerated. I was confused on whether or not I actually knew what was happening. I really liked the colors in this movie. I think the color scheme is really cool. It balances these vibrant colors with the earthy tones of like the planets they're on. But I didn't love the character designs. So like I, w- I-, I will grant you that much of like the art is cool. It's just that some of the specific characters I didn't really care for all that much. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it was okay. So what are the characters you liked? I really liked JP and Sonoshi. Okay. I mean, in terms of like chemistry, uh, I liked Frisbee, who is the mechanic. I liked his design. I liked uh, the robots designs. Uh, I just like some of the characters were like based on dogs and monkeys and like, I just, I didn't care for that as much. Okay. I liked the mechanic Frisbee as well. And that's it. Okay. Um, JP felt derivative. I feel like we've seen it a lot of times. Yeah, he plays a very James Dean type character. Right. And his hair is evident of that. Um, Shaughnessy felt definitely existing to further the character of the male protagonist. um, To the point where they race twice together. They talk to each other twice. And at the end, they say, I love you. Yes. Um, It was weird. Yeah, I I think they had good chemistry together. I just, like you said, maybe a little bit more time would have been nice. Because there's a scene where Sonoshi is chilling at like a cafe and JP goes and talks to her and being like, hey, you know, it's time to start scoping out the opponents. You know, what are you about? And I'll tell you what I'm about. And that was a cool scene because I really think, you know, like I said, I liked watching them interact. Uh, But... I don't feel like scenes like that gave them enough leeway to end the movie on such a cheesy romantic note. Yeah, it just felt it felt weird. Also, like this movie makes you question whether or not any car works exactly how you think it works. (laughs) Yeah, every car has one more trick up its sleeve to the point where you're like, I don't think you had the room for that. Well, the fact that where it's like when you get to the seventh trick. You're like, why didn't you just do this from the beginning? If this was going to make you faster, why didn't you just do this from the beginning? And due to the fact that it's a racing movie, you know, I think that is a problem that most racing movies have. We talked about this a lot during the Fast and Furious, how like the the family was always able to get 10 more miles per hour out of their car. Or it's like, all right, time to race seriously. And then they put their, you know, put the pedal to the metal. And I'm like, you weren't doing that this whole time? Yeah, and like, what? oh, it's t- it's time to accelerate, and then you get that shot of them slamming the pedal and shifting the gear. Like, I thought we were already doing that. I thought we were going as fast as we could. Why are we not? And, why are we not going as fast as we could? And so this movie has the anime version of that, which is blowing up the back of your engine and having it rocket propel you over the finish line. Right. It was crazy. Um, The way Nitrous visually looks is worse than any Fast and Furious movie. I remember we dogged on Fast and Furious, the first one and the second one, for the way Nitrous looks. We were like, holy crap, dude. The screen's distorted. Yeah, because it... 
Yeah, because in the first two, it has like that really early 2000s like computer screen that's like, this is what the future's going to look like. And then, like you said, it the camera work they do is awful. And this movie suddenly makes a normal person 20 feet long. And yeah. it's like they can mm-hmm. barely hold on to the wheel. Like the car is taking off without them. And they do that <laughs> <Yeah>. many times. <laughs> And so in the final scene, uh, JP and uh, Sonoshi are chill. Are they're in the same car together? They're in the same cockpit, and JP is holding Sonoshi really tight. And like you said, they activated the nitrous. They blew up the engine. They are probably gonna break the sound barrier soon. And just like the intensity in which these two characters are just squished together and like you see the wind resistance on their face it's like if that pulled their skin off i would not have been surprised yeah also like half most of the time the windshield's gone and yeah. most of the time like it's missing a wheel or like the front hood or an engine in general or the vehicle's on fire yes and you're like yeah what is happening also like the term track makes sense for the first race red line i don't have no idea where they are i have no idea where they're going i have no idea what surface they're driving on i have no idea what's going on yeah i it's just one of those things where it's like i bet you know they had a predetermined course actually i don't know if there was a predetermined course i think it was just here's where we're dropping you off here's where you end figure it out because there were several care. There were several characters that like went underground and took alternate routes to try to get to the red line. Right. And uh, so I think it was just a matter of maybe there wasn't so much a track, but just like, here's the general destination. Right. Also this movie did what you're not supposed to do, which is tell don't show. If we're confused, let's just tell them. And this movie did it over and over and over again. Where, like, Sean, she's like, so what happened? And then JP's like, here's literally what happened. And they, there's, yeah. there's no showing. There's no f- flashbacks. It's just like, let me just tell you what happened. And that happens throughout the entire movie is let me just tell you. I think a lot of it is catching other characters up to speed on things that we already knew, right? Like the big thing that you're referencing is Sonoshi is like, did you ever get caught fixing races? And JP says, yeah, we did. And he goes on this like two or three minute conversation about it. We already knew this as an audience. They bring this up several times. It's just that now JP has to tell Sonoshi about it because she didn't know until now. Yeah, it was weird. And but on top of that, like we already knew twice, kind of. Um, There was a couple times when like um, it was just the dialogue didn't feel real. But let me tell you, I bet you a lot of that had something to do with the fact that um, it was dubbed. So they had like a finite amount of space that they had to, you know, talk and they needed to get the information out. So like it was kind of rough at point. Dubbing is, you know, a very complicated process in terms of how much time you have to work with, how much information you need to get out. And uh, so that is common in anime 
where they're where characters repeat themselves a few times and it's just like oh it's probably because they had more scene time to fill out than what they had content for um i really liked the dynamic of them being hunted by the planet that they are racing on i think that was really cool i didn't love the execution of it um because they were really only being hunted hunted for like five or ten minutes like they send down the drone like they have this big incinerator ray that gets disabled then it gets brought back online then it misses then they can't recharge it, so they send down the drones, and then they get converted in, like, ten minutes. So I'm like, all right, well, this did not amount to much. Yeah, it, um, it, a lot of it was just, like, I am watching this, because it wasn't a bad movie. No, it's definitely not. just nothing we haven't seen before, and it was a bunch of, like, movies we've seen before smashed together in anime form. So, yeah, I've never seen this particular movie before because it's anime. But, like, you get the gist, you know? Yeah, I think that this movie thrives when it is an action movie. There is a good chunk of this movie, a chunk that I think is too long, that is not an action movie. It's, like, people just kind of talking and figuring out what their opponents are about. Which... I think would be cool if it amounted to something, but it really didn't because the last 40 minutes of this movie is just fast cars going fast and blowing each other up. Yeah. That's one race. The last 40 minutes is one race. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that this movie did that race pretty well. I think as far as like high octane, super cheesy, I want to watch cars blow up that move. This movie nails that. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, uh, it just has to be a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that this is not my kind of movie, right? The the anime movies that I prefer are the more emotional ones. So I knew going into this that I'm watching this to broaden my horizon. And I can confidently say, you know, walking out of this, that I don't regret watching this movie. I think that it's um, a good piece of I I just think it's a good movie if it is your thing it's just not totally my thing but I don't want to like rip it apart because of it there are good moments in this yeah I just uh, it's just not my thing at all so it's very hard for me to like it but I just know it wasn't hard to watch which I was expecting Uh, it wasn't hard to watch it was just one of those things like oh this is just not my thing and I'm not going to get into this, um, but whatever, I guess, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I, I'm going to give this a flat six. The story is there and it showed potential. It just focused a little bit too much on the aggression of this movie. This movie is very aggressive. And if it wasn't so aggressive, I think the plot could have been a little better. So that's so I'm I'm sitting this at a flat six. I'm going to give it a four, seven, five. Okay. But we knew All this. Right. This is not my anime thing. I think it's hard for anime to break five for me because over five means if it was on, I'd watch it again. Okay. Or like five might be like, I'll put it on the background. Six is like, yeah, I'll watch it again. Just like not soon. 
anything below five is I don't intend on watching it again. And I don't want to watch this again. Sure. So sure. I think it's going to be hard to find an anime. Where I'm like, oh, that was interesting enough. Maybe in a year or two, I'll, I'll watch it again. I think that's going to be tricky. That's a hard barrier to break. Okay. Um, But this is 475. So this is as close as you can get without me watching it again. All right. Fair enough. Alex, what's our improv segment? It's called Line, Please. Um, You and I have a lot of improv segments where we're trying to sabotage the other person. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, this is not that. We're going to have scenes or whatever where we're trying to make it as funny as possible, as drama-filled as possible. We're just trying to create for the first good time. content. Hey, th- yeah. For the first time, we're just trying to make good content. Let's just try to make good content. <laughs> so if the person who's improving, we're going to give that person a scene, right? When they're improving, if they feel like it's getting dull or something needs a little something extra, they'll say, line, please. And the other person interjects something funny, like a miss, a part they're missing, a concept, a through line or something that adds to the scene. And then when that person jumps back in, they have to use that line and hopefully it helps. Okay. Um, it's just called line, please. So the, they can only pitch in when the person improving asks for it. But we're just looking to make the scene better. And it can be any All scene right. we want. We're just looking for good content. So I'll put you first, and you can line, please, and I'll, I'll help you. But I'll design a scene for you. So you, unfortunately, are getting kicked out of school for plagiarizing. But you're just plagiarizing yourself from last year. But you are getting expelled. It's a zero-tolerance policy. But they are giving you one last plea before the board just to speak your piece and see if you can change their mind. Okay. People of the Council of Smartness University, I understand that you think we can only allow ourselves to create greatness. And what greatness can be forged through plagiarism? But here I say nay. I say what greatness cannot be forged throughout plagiarism? Look at look at inventions throughout the history. I'm pretty sure Tesla and Edison plagiarized each other. I can't think of a second example, but here's what we're really focusing on is the fact that you need to look at me and understand that I was the one plagiarizing myself and I'm not pressing charges as is my right to do so. So you counsel, I need you to look at me Look at what I've created and think, is this worth destroying someone's academic career for? Line, please. Um, This whole story is about you writing fan fiction that's highly inappropriate and lewd for your creative writing process, for your creative now writing I, class. Now, I know that part of this jury, part of this trial is that we need to look over the piece that was plagiarized and I shall open that for you now, all right? And I shall read for you this excerpt from oh, my geez. Sonic, from my Sonic X Vin Diesel fan fiction. That is right. Now, this was from a creative writing class that I'm gonna be honest, gave me a f- uh, uh, not enough boundaries. Mrs. J- Mrs. Johnson, you could use a few more boundaries in your writing class. And it goes like this. <clears throat> I want to hear what kind of line please you can give me here. Uh, Vin Diesel is Groot in this fanfic. So he okay, doesn't say anything, okay. but I am Groot. All right. Charging into the room, the blue blur he was, Sonic stops dead in his tracks, several feet away from the shiny bald head that Vin Diesel sported on top the rest of his body. Clearing his throat, Sonic said, Hey, uh, didn't expect to see you here. And Vin Diesel 
shining his bald head, looked at Sonic dead in the eyes, smirked, wiped something from his nose, and said, I am Groot. Confused, Sonic took it in stride, walked up behind Vin Diesel, and gave him a tenderizing shoulder massage. Vin Diesel, in uh, an exasperated gasp of relaxation, said, I am Groot. Now who would dare plagiarize a piece of masterful art other than myself? Uh, line, please. Um, you just found out your mom is sitting in the audience for your hearing, um, and is becoming distraught, so you're kind of downplaying how much part you had in this. Okay. (laughs) A work of fiction is a work of art, and a work of art is something that an author should be proud of, and is something that an author should replicate. An author should- Oh, hi, 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 mom. Um, ooh- Ooh, you told me, you told me you were going to be at dad's surgery today. Yikes, 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 yikes. Um, did I say I did this? Did I, is that what this is, that I did this? Um, no, 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 no. Um, a different Craig did the, Daniel Craig. Yeah. You know, the actor, Daniel, he did this. Uh Uh-huh. This whole thing's actually just a sham. It's a performance piece for you, mom. Um, honestly, I don't know how this could get any worse. So, um, I take the expulsion. Mom, I understand I'm grounded. I'll see you in hell. Cox gun. Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right. Do we want to do another? You want to send it my way? Are we good? I would love to send it your way. Oh, yeah. I had a few. (laughs) Okay. You are joining a fraternity. Okay. But... You think that this fraternity is incredibly amoral and you are trying to persuade them to maybe take a more wholesome approach on the fraternity lifestyle. Okay. Get ready for a lot of line pleases. Okay. Okay. Hey guys, um really sorry to interrupt the party. Um I know we're in a rush. Um and I know I've only been here for one year, but I there seems to be a turn we're taking, hey, hey man, you can stop doing that. Like we're going to pause hazing just for right now. We seem to be taking a lot of this stuff really far. Um, Like that one time when, line please. Um, You guys got on the news for uh, a hazing event that didn't hurt anybody, but gave them a breakdown. So um, I got a call from Mike's mom saying he's pulling from school. Um, So as you know. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had all the new guys um, go skinny dipping, but it's September and that's Lake Superior and they got hypothermia. Everyone recovered fine, uh, except for Mike. Um, he physically looked okay, which is why I'm sure we thought he was fine. Uh, but apparently that was the first time he had ever seen anyone naked and <laughs> that sent him in a spiral. Uh, and the fact that he also was naked... And no one has also seen him naked his entire life. Uh, sent whatever bad panic attack he was having prior. Made it even worse. So I think this is just one example of many. Uh, maybe we should start dialing back. Starting with you over there who I'm not even sure what you're doing. Line please. Uh, he is um, he is pouring alcohol through a Brita filter and then drinking it right out of the Brita filter. Um, I know we have a bunch of chem majors here, but uh, trying to distill vodka to increase its potency and then butt chugging it is not something we like to be known for. 
That's a lot of the other frats have been doing that kind of thing. I thought over here we were like networking and that all of our dads were lawyers and engineers and maybe we're going to grow up and, you know, be like them. But you, sir, are definitely going to go to the hospital if you put any more of that inside your body. I Guys, I'm, I'm really not trying to be a Debbie Downer over here. I think we can all have fun. You know, we started doing land parties when I was here last year and we all played Warzone together and we were really good. Um, since then, things have taken a turn and I'm just hoping we can go back to the good old days. Um, our president, um, Ryan, thought this was a good idea, but as you know, he recently is getting investigated uh, for line, please. Tax fraud, but not the taxes you think. So apparently he's been adding sales tax. To our tuition, which to be honest, I didn't even think that was a thing, but the whole school has been defrauded of millions of dollars off of sales tax of your education. So I guess this is up to me and the other two elders to lead this fraternity because most of our founding members are in jail or on trial. So I'm just thinking we dial it back. Maybe we stop listening to so much, um, you know, line, please. Joe Rogan. And what's that? Uh, maybe we dial back the, you know, Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate and instead some uh, line, please. Um, Jesus. Instead, I think we should really focus our um, fraternity around Christianity. I know, you know, most of us could benefit from having, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, our savior in our lives. I think it would help most of us get girlfriends. Raise your hand if you had a girlfriend or currently have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, this is not a good representation of what we want to be putting out in the world, guys. Um, I'm really sorry that this kind of turned into an intervention. Um, I do have us signed up to go to church on Sunday. No pressure. <laughs> I just wanted them to know that they were going to be getting around 30 new people so they can plan around us. We have our own sections. So you don't have to worry about pumping in anybody. But um I'm going to step down. You guys can continue partying. Again, Brita Filter Guy, we should probably have you start drinking some water. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for your time. Well, I guess we'll talk about this in the morning if any of you remember this. Thanks. Um, I have two things to say about that. First of all, I signed us up for church on Sunday is a very funny sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no you pressure, know. but they had no we're coming. <laughs> You know that place, that place that famously has an open door policy. I signed us up to go, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then also that is such like a. Uh, I see these like videos on TikTok every now and then of like the guest pastor that goes a little off the rails, and everybody's listening to Joe Rogan when they should be listening to Jesus Christ is such a guest pastor thing to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, oh I love that. That was I fun. Love that. So that's yeah, line, like please. That it's a collaborative, you know, improv thing where we produce good content. We're here to support each other, get better. Um, that's line, please. I'm sure I'll be coming back. All right. For the middle segment this week, the segment that we take some time and prepare a little bit beforehand, uh, I am bringing red light, green light. This is a segment where I give you very vague descriptions about things, and you have to tell me whether or not you would finance this thing, oh, or no. if you would, you know, let it chill. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right? Uh, we're going to start with some movies, and sure. the first one goes like this. 
an allegory for racism, a new cop and beat down detective take on the big city. Ooh. Do you feel like greenlighting that or how do you, oh, how do you feel? This is Zootopia. I'm 100% greenlighting that. You are right. It is Zootopia. Yeah. Um, what, what, one point. Two, $1.024 billion. Okay. So yeah, I think that's, uh, I think I'll take that it. Was a, that would be a smart investment. <laughs> Uh, after participating in one too many drug trips, a little girl must face her fears and overcome her insecurities. One too many drug trips? A little girl has to overcome yeah. her fear and insecurities. Dude, I'm going to go red light. Well, unfor- well, I mean, I guess it depends if you're in this for the money or for the success. Because uh, this was the 2010 Alice in Wonderland movie. That made $330 million. Who is in... Is that the Giant Depp one? Or, sorry. It was uh, $1.026 billion. Yes, it was the Johnny Depp one. That movie was weird, but I did <laughs> see it. So maybe I should have greened that. Um, all right. Um, a retired superhero is brought back into action and recruits a new set of kids to become the next generation of superheroes. I'm red lighting this hard. <laughs> okay. This one was a little bit this this one was a good choice. That was uh Zoom starring Tim Allen and Courtney Cox. Golly, dude. <laughs> I saw that movie in theaters. I don't remember that movie. Yeah. Um it's exactly what I described it as. Tim Allen used to be a superhero, and he trains the next generation of superheroes, and it's not good. See, I almost thought it was uh, what was that superhero school. My Hero Academia? No, live action. <laughs> um, Umbrella Academy? No, it's an older one. Um, it X-Men? Had- it has Bruce Campbell in it. <laughs> I guess superhero school is a pretty generic Super thing to talk about. Superhero school. Sky High. Oh, dude, Sky High rules, though. I would agree yeah, with Sky that, High even good. if it lost money. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, some of these movies have similar plots, so bear with me. Um, a grizzled old detective and a new by-the-books police officer fight aliens as they... Uh, take on earth men in black uh, i guess i'll green light it uh, unfortunately i was looking for the ryan reynolds movie r.i.p.d you should it have was one of the two and it was a 50 50 oh, shot uh, yeah that's a bit of a bummer it's the same movie with different <laughs> it's people it's the same movie <laughs> um all right I, let's move on. Let's move on to the next thing that I had planned, which is um, I pulled up a list of a bunch of things that they've uh, the most expensive things that have been shown on the show Pawn Stars. All right. Okay. And so <laughs> this is a little bit of a deviation, but I want you to guess how much was offered and if they bought it or not. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately. Pawn Stars doesn't do a good job of like following up of like, oh, we sold this for this much money. I wish they did because that would have made making this segment a lot easier. Um, But this is what we're going to do instead. Um, All right. So the first thing is going to be a 2001 New England Patriots Super Bowl championship ring. So I got to guess how much, huh? Yeah. How much they were asking, how much they bought it for. Um, actually, this one's a little bit of a rough one. I'm going to say how much this website has it listed at a certain price. 
I'm going to say, how much do you think that's worth now? The original, I'm going to go $23,000. Jeez. Now, this ring is a pretty... (laughs) (laughs) So, apparently, Brock Williams, uh, former New England Patriots defensive back, I didn't know that. It says it on the website. Mm -hmm. Um pawned it for $2,000 as a collateral for for a loan, and then uh, just never came back to get it. <laughs> so it was $1,000. Good grief, bro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, how about four one-kilo gold bars? Four one-kilo gold bars. Well, luckily for you, I've recently been following a guy in instagram who talks about the price of gold um i'm gonna say one kilo a gram of just one kilo gold uh is gonna be about 60 grand 50 grand a hundred grand no 128 grand okay so for four kilos (laughs) i mean that's a steal really yeah if it's real that's a steal because i'm saying one kilo is 60 grand so four for 120 that's half off all right, the original artwork for Where the Wild Things Are. I mean, that's really cool. I'm going to go 220. 1000? Yeah. Uh yeah, 250,000. 250,000. Yeah, dude, that's iconic in a lot of people's childhood. So, it's like uh I would I would assume like the same price as like an original edition autograph copy that like that level. Okay. Um let's do one more and it is OJ Simpson's white Ford Bronco. Oh, I was hoping it was the glove. Well, assuming the <laughs> Bronco still works. I'm going to say half a mil. I'm going to say 500,000. Okay. Uh, one point two five million dollars, dude. Now that's a small price to pay for being a part of history. Do you think that Rick of Pawn Stars fame took the car? Yes, he did not. Oh, that's a bummer. Why? Yeah, a good cue. I don't know. I don't know. I bet you OJ would have bought it back. Yeah. Also, I mean, to be fair, I think that that show does a really good job, or at least Rick does. I haven't watched the show in 10 years, so I'm projecting a lot, but he did a really good job at negotiating. Like, he didn't have TV money to fall back on. Yeah. Like, that, I there thought were about some that all t- the time. It would be like, yes, me too. Can you pay 400 for this? And he's like, no, that is way too much. I'm like, what do you mean that's way too much? You're, you're, you have hundreds of thousands of dollars for this episode. What because are you talking about? I would about? be because I would have the mindset of like this is cool. Like it makes sense if it's a bad item, right? But if it's a cool, good item, it's like and it's like part of JFK's brain. He's like, mm, best I can do. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? And if it's like maybe ten percent more than you would have wanted to pay for it, you can fall back on that TV money, man. You can get the Bronco. But instead, he has the reputation of like ripping people off. Where people are yeah. like, I know what I have. And he goes, I obviously, I don't think I can flip it. And I'm like, what? That's why. I always loved when they would bring the expert in and they were like, no, this guy's right. You could absolutely and very easily flip it. And Rick's just like, I don't want to. Yeah. He goes, actually, I'm just not interested in this. I'm like, so all this was a facade. Is that what you're telling me? None of this matters. Wild. Anyway, what's our one hit? We know our, our one hit. It's our radio one hit voices. is radio voices, Craig, where you what and I. What are we I- doing? Okay, I tried looking up, like, fake scripts or whatever for us to do. There are zero, except for ad reads. And I don't want to give anyone any free ads. So Okay. 
We're going to take our respective radio voices. So you're going to be that Ryan Seacrest, super high energy, talking about, you know, freeway traffic or whatever. And I'm going to be that late night DJ where I talk about pretty much nothing, like just nonsense. Um, but people still listen. And you and I are going to just try and have a conversation. Or we just talk about our respective things and just take turns and see who can go the longest. What does that mean? Which means I'm going to say something that sounds like what my character would say. You're going to say something completely unrelated, like how your character would say. And we'll just go back and forth and see who can go the longest without repeating themselves. <laughs> okay. So... I think that this needs to be a scene where we are co-hosting a radio show, but they did not do a chemistry test. Okay. So we are doing the same radio show, but bringing our totally conflicting vibes to it. Okay. Sweet. Which is All just right. our podcast, by the way. <laughs> conflicting yes, vibes but, and just trying to make it work. We can do that. But I'm going to use radio terms. Sure. And I'm using my radio voice. Hey, everybody, welcome to 102.3 The Stink. And right here, we got you here on our 8 a.m. Wake Up Drive. We just got back from listening to Megan Trainer's Dear Future Husband. And now we're going to talk about the traffic. We got to look at that I-84 traffic. The construction is still going pretty strong, so make sure that you take an alternate route if you can to avoid that morning rush. Mr. Good, what do you got to say? Again, again, welcome back to W101KYZ The Sting. We're going to talk about something important near and dear to a lot of those families out there. We're just going to slow it down. We're going to play some Dave Cos, some Kenny G coming up for you. Um, Hot off that top 40. Now I know it's getting late. And I know we're winding down, but stick with us for at least another hour. And I swear we're going to turn your day around. What do and you think, don't forget. Craig? And don't forget that after all that music that Mr. Good over there just mentioned, we are going to be doing our morning prank calls. You want to hear somebody talk about their ex? You want to hear somebody think that they're talking to their ex? You want to hear somebody think that they're talking about their ex to their ex and that they're getting back together with their ex? And we got the prank calls for you. Now, coming up next is Kenny G's trumpet solo. And we're going to cut. Listen, man, I think we're doing a great job so far. <laughs> this is <impressive>. yeah. <laughs> All right, song just ended. We're coming back in. That was Kenny G going out of his comfort zone, away from the saxophone, trying the trumpet. It happens to the best of us. Now I know you guys are winding down after your long morning, sipping that cup of java, really sitting in your seat, trying to focus on what you're going to accomplish for today. But just listen. Tune into our radio station every day in the morning from 6 to 10, and we are going to help you stretch out those legs, get real comfortable in that seat, see what you're made of. You are a productive person. You can accomplish things. You and your family are going far in this life. What do you have to say, Craig? I think that it's time for us to look at the <laughs> headlines. <laughs> All right, looking over the international headlines today, we got a boy over in the Dominican Republic who managed to make his own water filter out of rocks and sticks. And to that I say, why don't you just turn on the faucet? <laughs> Mr. Good, do you have any fun banter about that kid trying to bring his life up in the Dominican? I know we have people right here in America who are struggling every day. And for the you young African Americans out there who might relate with this young man in the Dominican, I think we all know that we can appreciate some ingenuity. I'm sure there's some camaraderie down there. And I think what that man needs right now, that little boy, is some smooth jazz. So coming up next, we're going to crank it out. Some more Kenny G. Maybe we'll have some Dave Cos in there. Maybe... <laughs> 
just maybe we'll have some more smooth, smooth jazz. Stay tuned. Dude. Beautiful, bro. <laughs> that was this, that this was is a great crazy. segment. It doesn't hit one. It doesn't hit every time, but this is a one-hit wonder. And boy, yeah. oh boy, is it never coming back. I think that is such a perfect dissection of our personalities. Yes. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a part of our personalities that the podcast doesn't see very often. Yeah. But it's still extreme version of us. Yeah. It's good, man. All right. Uh, free balling. Here's what I have. I have two big things I want to talk about. First Sweet. being, I saw 3,000 Years of Longing. It is a movie with Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. And here, here's the gist, right? Tilda Swinton plays this literary scholar. And she's at a convention. And she's here to talk about fiction. Or not fiction, but rather stories. And she's really interested in the concept of stories and how stories shape humanity. And on this trip, she finds a lamp and awakens a djinn who is played by Idris Elba. Jins and, and genies, same thing, right? I don't know okay. for sure, but he did the whole three wishes thing. Okay. I don't know if they're synonymous in everything but name or if it's like a based on culture thing. They refer to him as a djinn. I say Jin. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, Idris Elba is doing this whole, like, hey, three wishes, free me from my torment, blah, blah, blah. And Tilda Swinton is like, I don't care about the three wishes. I care about your story. So maybe 70 minutes of this movie is them in a hotel room talking. And it's Idris Elba telling Tilda Swinton how he first got put in the lamp, when he got taken out of the lamp, what other masters have done with him. How, the time that he had to wait in between being freed from the lamp and like what is going on in the interim and stuff like that. That is the majority of the movie. And like all of this stuff is shown as well. Like we see everything happen as Idris Elba is narrating it. Okay. But a lot of this movie is Idris Elba narrating. And dude, I think this is one of those things where people get attached to a couple people's voices like Morgan Freeman. And yeah. anytime they get a chance to have Idris just talk, they do it, bro. Yeah. And so the third act of the movie is Tilda Swinton finally making her wishes. And the entire time you're listening to Idris Elba talk, in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, well, obviously this movie is going to have Tilda Swinton making her wishes. So I'm interested to see what that will be. And it's not nearly as exciting <laughs> as you would want it to be. Yeah. In fact, it kind of takes the movie in a whole different direction that I didn't care about. Watching the visualization of Idris Elba's story was cool. It was shot very well. It had really good CGI. Like, it was a beautiful story, but it just didn't amount to anything. There was no real emotional climax. I didn't feel attached to most of the movie. So, like... It's like, it is such an art house movie that just didn't quite stick the landing for me. Mm -hmm. It tries to tell the story of the human experience without really saying anything about it. So it's like a 5.75. All right. Um, I watched Extinction, the Netflix movie. Have you seen it during your Netflix? I did not. Um, so it's a sci-fi movie. Takes place in the future. Um, and... It's about a family and a whole world that gets, you know, invaded by these creatures. Um, it takes a while for that to happen. 
um because the guy's having nightmares that are very realistic um he goes to get medical care but when he's at the medical center they're like these dreams are real man so maybe you shouldn't have them like erase your memories or don't go to therapy he goes all right i won't it's weird it's got michael pena in it um and it's got lizzie kaplan it also has mike coulter in it who's luke cage um and those are like the only three stars it's interesting it was recommended to me by a friend um hey guys if you're my friend and this is you know okay if you want to do it just know that i'm going to talk about it on the podcast if you're my friend and you think this movie's good make sure you bring your a game because this movie was okay at best. It's a Netflix movie, you know? Um, but I know my friend loves this movie. And he shouldn't. You know, he shouldn't. And I remember dedicating two hours of my life to watching this, right? On two different days. And then we talked about it for four minutes. Hey, man, I dedicated two hours to this. And I wasn't even super impressed. And then we only talked about it for four minutes. I'm giving it a flat five. I am not planning on watching this again. I It's got a plot twist. But like, it's not the best one, you know, it's not going to, I mean, it could blow your mind, I guess. It's just mediocre. The whole thing's mediocre. The acting, mediocre. The plot, mediocre. The action scenes are pretty cool. I will say that. The act, like how they actually filmed it. I wouldn't even say how they filmed it. Just like the situation these characters are in where they have to fight and shoot each other is very cool. Because you're fighting with alien weapons and stuff. Um, But that's about it, dude. It's on Netflix. It's called Extinction. Watch it if you have watched everything else on netflix and just like i want to see something new and also friends if you're gonna ask me to watch something i'll watch it only recommend your favorite movies and make sure they're good and if you are like hey this is a hot take this is my favorite movie i'll watch it because it's your favorite movie but i'll just turn around and flame it so you might just want to go on imdb look up what that rating is and only recommend anything that's a seven or higher okay and that way you know i'm not going to roast something you really like but that's what i have to say about that and the other thing that I watched is I watched uh, the DC League of Super Pets. And oh, Alex, this might be in my top three for the year. <laughs> top three worst movies? Nope. Nope. Alex, it was really good. Alex, it was... Craig, here's the, the thing. Kevin Hart, Dwayne Johnson movie with I'm Kate aware. McKinnon, John Krasinski. I'm aware. And here's the thing. I went into that movie being like... I am too sober for this. I'm like, there is no way I'm going to enjoy Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart do what they do in real life for the 15th time. (laughs) But like, dang it, it was like good and stuff. Like it did not feel like a cop out movie. It did not feel like a kid's movie cash grab. Um, I really liked the, uh, I could tell that they spent a lot of time on the animation for this movie. So I, I, I want to make sure that that is given credit. Um, John Krasinski actually does a really good job as Superman. And I'm going to say it. This is the best acting performance that Dwayne Johnson or Kevin Hart has ever given. Like genuinely. Oh, no. There are, there are moments of pure sincerity. There are moments that I like, I'm like, I feel connected to these dogs right now. So let me guess. Dwayne Johnson is superheroes dog. I mean, yes, superheroes, Superman's cri- dog. He, he's crypto, the super dog. Yes. And then Hart must be Batman's then. Yes. Um, and I don't know the, like whenever you do a comedy that has an ensemble cast, especially when it's like a family movie, uh, tip chances are, I'm not going to like the ensemble. And that is still true here. There's like one 
main supporting character and then two B-tier supporting characters. I didn't like the main supporting character. The B-tiers I could stand. <laughs> um, Let me look up who Bro, did the... there's a huge cast. Kate McKinnon plays Lulu. John Krasinski cast. is Superman. Freaking fire. Keanu Reeves is Batman. Natasha Leone is Merton. Diego Luna is yes. Chip. Mark Marin is Lex Luthor. Middle Distance Stitch played two guinea pigs. Olivia yeah. Wilde is Lois Lane. This is a freaking kill. Jamil, uh, Jamila DeMille is Wonder Woman. This yeah. is an amazing mm-hmm. cast, bro. And uh, Natasha Dude, Leone. Alfred Molina is Jor-El. This is fire. Keith David yeah. is yeah. Doggell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lena Heathy is Lara. This just I'm keeps going, you. bro. This movie kind of rules. And uh, Natasha Leone as Merton. She had the funniest pieces of dialogue in this movie. Like she is a, she plays a turtle who ends up getting super speed. And I'm like, all right, that's corny. That's cheesy, whatever. But then she says every line she says is an absolute banger. Genuinely hilarious. So like this movie is the is the underdog out of nowhere movie for me i went in with the lowest lowest expectations and it like genuinely blew me away like i will be bringing this movie up again at the end of the year i guess i have to see it dude it's crazy that these guys have made two jumanjis together um hart has a cameo in hobbs and shaw they also did Central Intelligence. Yeah. This is their fifth movie together. And so I, I just to round it out, I am giving it like a flat eight, maybe an oh, 8.25. Do you know it's if it's really... going to come to like a streaming service or which one? It'll um, probably go to HBO, right? Yeah. Because So Wars. I don't know off the top of my head. Maybe. Yeah, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. That's wild. Uh, all right, Alex, what are we watching next week? We're watching Primal Fear. It's a 1996 movie. It's on Paramount. That's it, dude. I'm, I could go more into it. It's got some famous people in it. I'm not going to watch a freaking movie neither one of us have ever heard of, but it's got Richard Greer in it. It's got Laura Linney from Ozarks. You might know her from and Ed Norton in it. So I'm all right. Like, it is be interesting. listed. It is listed as thriller slash crime. It's so. a, it's got good ratings across the board. Um, yeah. Rock on. I, I'm, I'm excited for it. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say about 3,000 Years of Longing. It's directed by George Miller. I've totally brain-spaced when I was talking about it. It's directed by George Miller, who did famously all four Mad Max movies and infamously <laughs> both Happy Feet movies. So, Shout out Happy is, Feet, bro. I love Happy Feet. So that movie was just kind of... It, it it was George Miller. It was very clearly George Miller's pet project. Like he was so very clearly passionate about this movie. But I'm just like, hey, maybe George, stay stay in your lane. Anyway, that's finally wrapping that up. All right. Um. But my name is Craig Wells, aka Permanent Handle, and I'm Alex Good, aka Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.